Dava Pere Beneath the Chanukah. This is Emma speaking. And he says, Dava Pele Beneath the Chanukah. Dava Pele Beneath the Chanukah. There's a wonder, something which is strange in regard to the miracle of Chanukah. Shehoya Kedei Sheyuchlu Lekayim Mitzvah. Menoyo, that the nace was in order, the nace of Hanukkah, the miracle of Hanukkah, was in order that they would be able to keep the commandment to light the menorah in the base of Mikdash. V'haloi loy But behold. The reason why you have to light this candelabra is not for the fact that you need its light, rather to do the will of the Creator. And since they had no oil, they're exempt from the mitzvah. Let's read that through again. There's something very strange. Adobah Pele, Chanukah. There's something strange, something different, something which causes a raising of the eyebrows in regard to the miracle of Hanukkah. The miracle of Hanukkah was that there was a limited amount of oil placed into the menorah in the temple. The amount of oil placed in would have been sufficient to last for only one day. And yet, miraculously, they lasted the full eight days until the Kohanim had the time to prepare new oil to put into the menorah at which point in time the oil ran out and new oil could be immediately put in and the mitzvah continued. So that miracle differs in form to every other miracle. Dava Pele Beneis de Chanukah What's the Pele? What's the astonishing component of this miracle? Shehoya, that this miracle was, that this miracle was, Kedei Sheyuchlu Lekayim Mitzvah Menorah. The entire goal of the miracle was in order that they should be able to fulfill the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. Vahaloi Loila Oira. They are needed for its light. Vaklaso is with Sainai. And since they have not, they're exempt. Miracles, says the Svas Emes by implication, are divine intervention for the sake of the person in order to, for example, rescue him from certain death. That's the goal of a miracle. That when the odds are stacked against you, and according to the natural laws of nature, you would be in massive trouble. The miracle comes and does away with the natural danger in order to save you, preserve your life or your health or whatever. That's the nature of a miracle. In other words, examples of miracles that we've seen documented in the Chumash are the Jewish people are under servitude in Egypt. They escape 
they come to a sea, they cannot go past, they will be killed by the Egyptians advancing at the rear, the sea splits open, they are saved, the sea closes, their enemies are drowned. That's a miracle. The goal of the miracle, the goal of the miracle facilitated their continued preservation of life. What did the miracle do? The miracle allowed them to continue living. Josh. God is the one who created the laws of nature. Yes. He has control of everything. So yes. I can't, I can't wrap my hand around the notion of a miracle because is it not just God deciding on certain laws of nature? Unbelievable question. Fantastic question. In other words, to digress briefly about the nature of miracles, the miraculous and the natural, the goal of the miracles which occurred in the exodus of Egypt was not that we would have a time in history that we're able to refer back to and say, gosh, once upon a time the Creator intervened into the laws of nature and did some really, really awesome stuff. Awesome. It's almost as awesome as Arizona is awesome. But almost. 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 So, it's not that, in other words, and then we've got this reference point that, do you know what, once upon a time there was a, wow, a Steven Spielberg Dickiter experience. Nah, no, no, that's not the pshat. That's what people think. For a person to think that there's laws of nature, and then once upon a time Hashem intervened, and He did that in such a magnificent fashion, wow, what a great creator, because He managed to override the laws of nature and do it so spectacularly. That is, in Jewish, that is antithetic, antithetical to Jewish belief. To say that we're using the Exodus of Egypt as a reference point of, wow, the supernatural, and that's what we refer back to, to see Hashem, how He beats nature in the Exodus of Egypt, that is heretical. Why? Because it implies a distinction. That is a force of a nature which has an independent entity, and Hashem stronger than that. That's already walk, moving away from the most fundamental concept of Judaism. Everything comes from the same Creator. And if so, that wasn't what was going on, but rather as Josh suggested, that really, water doesn't necessarily flow. It could be solid. It could be solid. How do I know that water could be solid? Because when the Jews walked through the sea, water was solid. So therefore, why does it flow now? Because now Hashem wants it to flow. In other words, water does nothing. It does the bidding of its creator. Sometimes liquids, sometimes solid. Truth is, most of the time liquids. Occasionally solid. So what do I see from the time that water solidified? I see that water is not a liquid. It's the will of Hashem. And the majority of the time He prefers it to flow. So the point of the Egyptian exodus isn't that we've got a reference point in the past as to Hashem's dominion over one event of a spectacular supernatural display of force, but rather that gave us insight into the present that the water that flows, just because Hashem chooses it to flow. And therefore there's no fundamental difference between miraculous and natural. Just in terms of the amount of commonality. Natural is the general and supernatural is the occasional. But in terms of Hashem's control, they are identical. Teva and the Malimina Teva are the same. That was just an explanation of Joshua's question. Correct? That was all just, I was just, I was expanding on 
the premise that you're working with for the sake of people like this um, young and coming up and coming genius Jeremy and uh, you said Jeremy but you looked at Yosef so so what I meant was what I meant was Jeremy but I don't want, I don't want you, you can't say a person's entire praise is in front of him and since that would cover the entire gamut of your being so I looked at him as if you weren't present <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> did we mention your humility now we we should we definitely should. Um, so, so in other words, miraculous and, 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 and natural are not fundamentally different. Because we understand that the, the way nature works is not because there are fixed laws, but that Hashem establishes in general that He wants things to work in a particular way. Those are the laws of nature. And sometimes, for exceptional reasons, He can completely... In other words, nature doesn't have to be. If I wanted to, if it was necessary, so I could walk through the wall, the wall is not fundamentally and intrinsically solid. Hashem chooses it 90% of the time to be solid. But if there's a reason, not. For example, fire. Does fire burn? Sometimes. But if you're Avram Avinu and you're thrown into a fiery furnace and it's not appropriate for you to be burnt, so no, it's as cool. If you're Hanani Michel Vazaria and you're thrown into, you're thrown into a furnace, it's like being in an air-conditioned room. Fire doesn't burn. The majority of the time, Hashem's will is that fire should burn. This completely changes our entire vision of Tai Chi and fitness. Tai Chi and fitness? Gosh, how did that come into it? It always comes into it. Life flows with Tai Chi. And the reason is as follows. A person who understands this principle now realizes that there's two Torahs. He now realizes that there's two Shulchan Aruchs. If nature <laughs> is the will of Hashem, and the will of Hashem is consistent in its behavior. It happens this way in general, unless it's super, um, unless it's extenuating circumstances to override it. But in general, Hashem wants water to flow. He wants walls to be solid. He wants the forces of gravity to work. He wants fire to burn. Therefore, He's telling me, that's what I want you to behave in accordance with. Just like I'm saying to you a law. The law is, Fire is hot. If you put your hand in, you will be punished through burning. You have to become obedient to the laws of nature. Not because you're a non-believer, but because you're a believer. It's almost as if Hashem has given us two Shulchan Aruchs. One is for the spiritual world and one is for the physical world. The Shulchan Aruch, the code of laws is given for the physical world, is our extrapolation of how the laws of nature work. And then we have to obey them like we have to obey the Shulchan Aruch. And if the laws of nature state that if you don't do Tai Chi on a regular basis, you will not have the energy, flexibility, and mood to function as a good Oyved Hashem, then you're mechuyev to do Tai Chi. Or those of you who don't have the sophistication, you can go for running, those of you who are slightly more advanced, swimming, etc. etc. Okay? Now, if that's true, it comes out that the entire world, as we see it, is an expression of the Rats and Hashem. And we have to respond and be sensitized to that. If Hashem says, if you go out in the cold, you will get a cold. So when we don't, when we go out in the cold and we get a cold, it's not only that we didn't follow our logic, our rational mind, that we disobeyed Hashem. Because He dictated that this is the way it works. So just like you have to obey the Shulchan Aruch of Shulchan Aruch, you have to obey the Shulchan Aruch of Teva. And therefore, since that's true, we have a better framework 
of understanding what is nature and what is supernature. It now comes out that supernature and nature are identical in that they're both expressions of the will of Hashem. So when does Hashem choose to express Himself through nature? And when does Hashem choose to express Himself through supernature? Now you're all probably wondering about the Gemarion Shabbos, aren't you? Yeah. What's Pshat in the Gemarion Shabbos? This is Gemarion Shabbos. Gemarion is found in Daf Nun. he grew breasts, breasts like a woman and he was able to nurse his child Strange story. <laughs> strange story. Strange story. There are many people alive today who attempt to replicate this event for other motives. We're not going to go into them right now. What do you mean? What? I'm just, just putting it out there. But in this particular situation, he grew breasts and he was able to nurse his child. And that was a miracle. I'm a Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef. He has his occurrence, this was a Brisa, and Rabbi Yosef the Amorah comments, and he says, Bala'eh, come and see. Come and God Adam's there. Look at the greatness of this man. That this miracle occurred? This person must be a tzaddik of note. So Rabbi Yosef says, I'm going to Abaye. Abaye replies and he says, Adarabba. On the contrary, Kamagarua Adamzeh. How lowly is this man? How disdainful. Shenishtanu loy sidre beracious. That the laws of creation were changed for him. Machloikes between Abai and Rabbi Yosef as to was this a praiseworthy thing or a terrible thing that occurred. The question is like this. Be Shlema, we can understand seemingly the view of Rav Yosef. That suggests that this was miraculous and therefore descriptive of the greatness of the individual that it occurred to. Aye, but Abaye, Abaye that said this was Garua, this was lowly. What's his reasoning? But of course, in the light of our previous discussion, the Pshat in the Gemara, that Lichtik, becomes enlightened like the lights of Hanukkah. Clearly what the Gemara means is as follows. If you understand the laws of nature, Chas 
to be an independent set of rules which function as it were without the jurisdiction of the Creator. So then you praise as man for d demonstrating the will of Hashem in a place which is vacant of the will of Hashem. And you say, you see, Hashem can do things which go against the laws of nature. However, if you understand that the laws of nature are Hashem's will itself, which means He wants things to operate that way, Daska, He doesn't want to break the rules. He wants you to obey the rules. That's why He set it up that way. The more you understand that the rules of the nature are Hashem's communication to you of how He wants things to run, because He wants them, not because they have to be that way, but because He wants them. So He wants men to be breastless and women to have breasts. He wants women to nurse their children, not men. And therefore, for you to create an aberration in the will of Hashem is a disdainful, not a praiseworthy thing. And that's why the man is criticized by Abayah for Kamagarua that he changed the laws of creation. Because you're moving away from the primary will of the Creator in the way he runs the world. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore, you see this vital principle again that a person has to learn to obey the rules of nature because they are the communication from the Creator Himself as to how things are meant to operate. If so, if so, when are miracles ever necessary? Why isn't every miracle something which is garua? Why isn't every miracle something which is negative? Seemingly the answer relates back to Hanukkah. In Hanukkah you had the crazy situation of a small group of Yeshiva Bochim against the might of the Greco-Syrian army. Now I don't know what the Greco-Syrian army was like, but Pashtus had a few Spartan units in them. Now if you think about Spartans, Spartans weren't your classic Mirabocha. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Stelio, what do you say? Thing is some slightly hunched back emaciated form, Pashtas not. Spartans, when they were born, they were given a calf. Not when they were born, I think when they were three, four years old. They were given a calf, a small little calf. And what they had to do was they had to carry the calf on their back for half an hour, an hour a day. And that was great, because calves aren't that heavy. Small little calves, small little boys. Problem is though, calves go, grow quicker, calves baby calves, grow quicker than boys. And they had to keep on doing it. So what happened is that's, that's called well-timed weight training. Because as the cow grew bigger and bigger, or the calf grew bigger and bigger, they keep on shaping around for the same amount of time every day, and they became hugely staunch. You're talking about guys who had puppies the sizes of Great Danes. Puppies. It's <laughs> an African term for biceps. Guns. In American. So, you're talking about guys who, who are what's, built... What's, what's scarier, a puppy or a gun? Who put a... Uh, yeah. yeah. You have guys who are, who are built like they... <laughs> no, you don't understand. You see, this is the problem with Michal. The puppies is, it's, 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 it's an ironic phrase. You know, like when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you, when you, when you, when you say in a person, when you say, wow, he's a tiny guy because he's so huge. So the reason I call them puppies is because they're really vicious rottweilers. You get it. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything about these little babes. You know, gently crouching beneath the shirt. <laughs> waiting to pounce. So you get these guys who are these massive mountains of men and they've been trained in the art of war from a young age. What these guys can do with a spear and a sword you could never imagine. Imagine 
Greco ninjas. Now, you've got, now, now you've, not, you've not just got one or two of them, you've got an army, thousands and thousands of platoons and units. And then you've got these 12 yeshiva bochim. So you can just imagine the, like, the, 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 the head down at noon. So you get like the bochim, and you've got Shimel, Shimel, Yankum, Hidele. Yeah, what, what, what do you do? Well, uh, if she will, I uh, don't they speak Yiddish. Pastors they Yiddish. Master, you should have So they come and like, and they say, so, so what should we do? So they say, well, so maybe we should give them a punch. So you know, these guys, these guys are like, they're armed to the teeth. They got these massive shields. They're going to like those, those like you know those formations where they got the shields on all sides. Right. What's the phalanx? Yeah, all these phalanxes. And they come towards you and then you get like, you know, Yankel is standing there, you know, slightly, slightly crouched and, and what do you do to these guys? So now at that point in time, I don't know about Yankler, but I would say, oh, bye-bye, bye-bye, what's, what's so bad about Greco-Syrian culture after all? <laughs> what do you mean they gave us the bathhouses? That was a Roman. Doesn't matter! That would be my attitude. So what do, what do, what do these Hasmonaim do? They say, Poseidon, what do you mean? I'm going to be scared of an enemy just because there are 10,000 of them and they, one of them is a thousand times stronger than me? You're joking. Why? There's no rebellion in the world? I'm going for it. At that point in time, he flipped. He said, when there's a good reason to, if there's a threat to Jewish survival, so then Hashem says, forget about the laws of nature. They don't apply anymore. On the condition that you subscribe to that notion. If you living in the world that for my Jewish survival there are no laws of nature, then Hashem says, I play by your game. For you there's no laws of nature. And therefore Yanke the time he goes up to the phalanx and he says, right, and he does, he thinks he's just saying good swara with a thumb swing, and he does a little swam swing with a little jab, and the entire phalanx just dies. He says, stay away from his thumb! In Greek. He blows it. Puts it back in his holster waiting for the next phalanx to come. He draws it, they turn around and they flee. He says, oh, I'll get him to death. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's, that's the reason, that's the reason when supernature sets in. When you as an individual, to preserve your elevated self, your transcendent self, your neshama, your kedusha, your sanctity, say, I don't buy the laws of nature because according to the laws of nature I'm dead meat but there's something above and beyond that there's something which elevates me and therefore in that world I'm way stronger than they are way stronger what do they have? they've got big puppies no no I've got big abishta Rebbein himself you can snuff them out in a second so there's nothing to worry about there's not even a reason for a tiny modicum of fear and as a result, the world responds alike because there's a reason. There's the preservation of the Jewish people as a unique nation and a unique message carrying the banner of Kedusha throughout the generation. And their survival was threatened. At that point in time, everything goes haywire. But let's go back to the point that we've begun with. That miracle we can understand. The miracle of... The miracle of... of, of, of the victory in war it makes sense there was a threat to the Jewish people above and beyond the laws of nature they won out what's with the oil? Yes. 
there there's no threat what's going on over there no there wasn't they had affirmed their spiritual existence they were giving it they were devoted why bother why did the Ibrahim bother making another miracle it says it's MS. was it a threat to the rest of Israel's spiritual existence like not the, not the not them themselves because they were they, they were set but the rest of Israel who had gone up to Derech maybe so they needed a symbol oh, maybe says the Savas Emes why did the Rebbein Sha'ola make this nace? It was an excessive show of affection. Hashem wanted the, the candle to be litten by us. Now he says a big Chiddush which becomes relevant for us. And this way of connecting and relating to us that occurred in Hanukkah all those thousands of years ago has remained instilled in the genetics of time What was the miracle? The miracle was I will give you a facility to reach a new spiritual height which is above and beyond what you could ever do. The miracle of the candles is expressed in the following way. I will give you an ability to do something where according to the laws of nature you could never get there spiritually. The mitzvah, lighting the candles, is a spiritual pursuit. Without the miracle of the oil, they wouldn't have been able to light them. With the miracle of the oil, they were able to access a supernatural connection to the Creator through the mitzvah that was completely impossible according to the laws of nature. More than the, more than the war? It's a completely different nature. The nature of the war was preservation of the survival of the Jewish people. The nature of the miracle of the oil was Hashem says here, you in your own right can't possibly connect to the Creator in your tefillah that you feel like you're standing in front of Malchem Melech Malchem Lachem Bochu. And the way you are right now, it's impossible for you to get there. On Hanukkah, Hashem allows you to get there. Derech Neisupela. It's miraculous. There's no way you can get there. You, have no, you don't have the strength of character. For sure not you. You don't have the midas. You don't have the purity of soul. For sure, you do. But Hashem says to you, that's what Hanukkah is all about. Hanukkah is about supernatural, spiritual growth. That's the gift given to us on Hanukkah. And that's the miracle. The miracle is, Hashem says, I see that the Chashmonoim implanted into the DNA of time, the devotion which opens up the gates of the spiritual treasure houses and allows you free entry. And Chanukah is one of the most uh, difficult Chagim to access because it's completely invisible. You can do Melacha, all you get to do is eat a few donuts and say Halal and Alanisim. Where do you see Hanukkah pronounced? The answer is, you don't see it. You have to extend yourself a little bit and then you'll see lights like you've never seen in your life before. Hanukkah is one of the most abused Chagim ever invented. People go through it, they come in and they go out and they didn't even know what they passed. Moshe to the American tourist that goes to the Kruger Park 
Kruger National Park, massive Giga Game Reserve in South Africa, South Africa, country in Africa, every continent which is next to America. Sorry. Yes, yes, oh. yes, there are other continents. Yes, yes, there are other continents. Thank you. So I'm sorry to overload you with so many Chidushim in such, such a small space of time. So there's this massive, this massive, massive game reserve and the way you do it is you, you drive at a very slow speed and you're able to see animals which are magnificently camouflaged and you look and you look out the window and you, th- you see nothing and then all of a sudden you see a flicker of movement and you suddenly see that what you thought was a pile of rocks is actually a herd of buffalo. Unfortunately, the uneducated American tourist drives, drives past at a speed whereby he can't study what's going on in the right way and he goes and he, and he, and he spends four days in the Kruger National Park and you say, did you see any game? He says, there's nothing in that place. <laughs> I went up and down. I traveled the entire thing six times. I never saw a single animal. Once! An Impala jumped in front of my car. <laughs> Once what? An Impala. An Impala? And jump in front of a car? Jumped in front of my car? Not, not, not the Chevy. Not the Chevy. <laughs> not the Chevy. Not Chevy uh, Volkswagen? Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Volkswagen. Paketa. <laughs> the point is, Hanukkah is a, is a Chag that if you don't stop and look, you just drive past and, you want, and you'll miss it completely. But if you invest in it, if you invest in it, so it has riches to offer you that are untold. What does that mean to invest in it? He conquered his anger and overcame his desire to rebuke the student who asked the question in such a lackadaisical fashion. How would you do it? I thought you were going to do Oh, no, 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 it was actually would have been appropriate, but the Bureau for Lackadaisical Questions is closed down now, just, just before Hanukkah. Um, how do you do it? How do you do it? Very briefly. The, the two places where the mitzvahs of Hanukkah focus on are in Emunah and Tefillah. Imuna meaning, it's called Halal Vahidah. Vahidah means admission, admitting, recognizing, acknowledging, let's say, the hand of Hashem in your life, what you have as a gift from the Creator. And Halal is praise, responding to that through prayer. So there's a recognition and there's a prayer. So I would suggest as a preemptory, as a beginning of Hanukkah, it may be worthwhile to see the unlikely chain of events which has made your life into what it is. And if you, if you, if you, if ever a person sees and looks back at your life, there are crucial moments which, if one person hadn't been there at that particular time, your life would be completely different now. So you see that the state that I'm in has been so precarious, and then you start to see a general theme of how certain people appear at certain times where the timing is immaculate. Through that, you develop an understanding and a sense of gratitude towards the Creator that living in Munna can translate into praise and the passion to connect. And there ended the lesson. So the case in the Gomorrah and Shabbos.